Welcome to this episode of Trauma Talk. Today, my guest is Dr. Kim Mollick, our Pediatric Medical Director, and we're discussing imaging considerations in the pediatric patient and also how to properly assess a C-spine. Dr. Kim Mollick has been on this show multiple times before, and you can find all our past episodes at traumatalk.podbean.com. Dr. Mollick, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dr. Kim Mollick. I am a pediatric surgeon at Wesley Children's Hospital in Wichita, Kansas, and I am the pediatric trauma medical director here at this facility. Dr. Mollick, what is the most common question you get asked when considering whether to CT or x-ray a pediatric patient? One of the most common questions that we are asked is who needs a head CT in the pediatric population when they have been injured? I think one of the areas where we see so many children have head CTs that probably don't need them are in the routine child who sustained, who has sustained a minor head injury and is otherwise hemodynamically stable. And so many children do have mild to moderate falls and are otherwise stable And so many providers are left with the question of whether or not they do require a head CT. What we as providers have discovered over the years is most of us use the PCARN criteria, and that stands for the Pediatric Emergency Care and Applied Research Network Guidelines. This is a an algorithm that has been validated multiple times and is widely used, widely available on the internet, and is helps differentiate children less than two years of age and those greater than two years of age. And again, is really only applicable to children with mild to moderate head injury or falls to help distinguish who requires a head CT and who does not. For instance, in the child greater than two years of age who has sustained a mild fall, if they, according to the PCARN criteria, if they are not vomiting, has had a loss of consciousness less than five seconds, has only a mild headache, has had a fall less than five feet, um, has only or sustained a motor vehicle accident without an ejection, no rollover, or has not had a fatality in the accident, and is otherwise acting appropriately, a head CT would not be warranted in that circumstance. So you discussed when not to image a pediatric patient. When should we consider CT or x-ray with the pediatric patient? Less than two years of age. If the fall is less than three feet, Um, Again, there's not been any history of an ejection, a rollover, or a fatality at the scene. The child was wearing a helmet if there's a bicycle accident, and the child is otherwise acting normally per parent, and there is only a frontal hematoma, a head CT likewise would not necessarily be warranted either. Now, obviously, there's always a provider discretion component, and a provider can always order the head CT if something is not necessarily in sync with these guidelines. These are only guidelines and should be used with provider discretion. But it does help give some guidelines for providers to help eliminate some head CTs that may not be warranted uh, for children. As we all know that the child is still developing and exposure to unwarranted uh, radiation does have a lasting effect on uh, the corneas, the retinas, the thyroid gland, and other structures of the head and neck. And if we can minimize that exposure, uh, we do want to exercise good radiation stewardship. 
Now, when we are dealing with a child who has sustained major head trauma, obviously the PCARN guidelines are no longer applicable. So that would be the child who has a Glasgow coma scale that is much more severe, a Glasgow coma scale of less than 12 or even less than eight. Those are children that have required intubation, have sustained significant either head trauma or polytrauma. And in those circumstances, those children frequently do require head CTs. And those are usually head CTs that are without contrast. Um, and that's a completely warranted exam and usually a very necessary exam to exclude any kind of significant neurotrauma. Are there any times it's appropriate to image the unstable pediatric patient? In a uh, significantly injured child or in a hemodynamically unstable child, the recommendations according to the American College of Surgeons and the Advanced Trauma Life Support guidelines would be to simply stabilize the child and ship them. Even a head CT is not always indicated because really, unless you are able to intervene, it may just add to the downtime that the patient is experiencing at your local facility. If an intervention can be performed at your facility, then a head CT may be very helpful, such as an intervention such as three-person saline or mannitol um, that may help in this circumstance of a severe head trauma, then um, a head CT may be helpful. According to Advanced Trauma Life Support, stabilization and transfer is always the main priority in any significantly injured child or hemodynamically unstable child. Imaging should be delayed until they reach their destination facility. We get asked a lot on clearing C-spine in the pediatric patient. Would you discuss that? Evaluation of the C-spine is one of the most controversial aspects of the injured pediatric patient. In general, for the most part, the pediatric C-spine can be cleared by physical exam alone. In the circumstance where the exam is not sufficient, we generally begin with plain radiographs. If the patient is intubated or unable to cooperate with the exam, then we would generally recommend plain radiographs. If the radiographs are positive, then we would proceed with CT scanning or MRI in the neurologically normal child. If the child has a neurologic deficit, obviously, then an MRI is uh, warranted in that circumstance. We do not routinely recommend CT scanning, even in the even in a patient who is intubated, although I know that is a common practice in the adult world to get the combination head CT C-spine. We do not generally do that in the pediatric world because of the tremendous amount of radiation to the cervical spine that captures the thyroid gland and can have a lasting effect. Uh, And because in general, still the risk overall risk of cervical spine injury is so much less than in the adult population. We would generally recommend to our providers that even if a child needs to be intubated and they do require a head CT, do not image the C-spine just to place a cervical collar until they reach their destination facility because often we will either perform just plain films and allow the child to awaken and clear their C-spine then clinically or oftentimes we'll get an MRI and be able to evaluate their C-spine with non-ionizing radiation. Would you walk us through your physical assessment of the C-spine? 
in the awake patient who is hemodynamically stable and uh, alert, clearing the C-spine in general is quite easy. Um, I think the first important aspect is to make a connection with the child um, because the more comfortable they are with you, the more likely they are to cooperate with you. And that is really what you need in order to get a great exam. What you first want to do is see how comfortable the child is. The When there is no cervical spine injury, you'll notice that the child is fairly relaxed. Their shoulders are slumped and they are um, carrying their um, neck and head in a very relaxed fashion. Um, and then you really want to, before you necessarily uh, approach or palpate anything, I usually just see if they're naturally moving their head around because if there is no injury, they're not keeping their head in one position. If you notice that the child is not moving their head and they're keeping their head still in one position, that gives me pause that there's probably some sort of injury because most children don't sit still for very long. So if the head is staying in one position for more than a few seconds, I'm concerned that there's some sort of injury involved. And then if children are very lax, so they can, you know, reach their chin very high and very low. So if there's any hesitancy to lift the chin high or touch their chin to their chest, if there's any hesitancy at all, I then pause and think that there's probably an injury or to um, children should in general be able to easily move their chin to each shoulder. And if they cannot do that, if there's any hesitation in doing that, I also immediately apply a collar and then decide and then proceed with my plain films. If you proceed to the palpation portion of the exam, obviously the midline tenderness is the most critical aspect. Many children and then of course adolescents and adults will also have paraspinal tenderness and it is important to differentiate between midline tenderness and paraspinal tenderness. The midline tenderness is what we're most concerned about. That also would trigger uh, placing a collar and then proceeding with your plain films. Any evidence of neurologic compromise it also warrants immediate placement of a C collar and then decision whether to CT or MRI, depending on the clinical scenario in place. Are there any considerations with a pediatric patient who is suspected to be a victim of abuse? One of the most common questions we get asked by pediatricians is regarding the imaging for children we suspect have been abused. That is very much age-dependent and also a little bit depends on how they present. Infants and toddlers up to 18 months of age, the workup for abuse includes, in general, a head CT and a skeletal survey to look for occult fractures as well as occult subdural hematomas. This may also be complemented with a retinal exam by a ophthalmologist who is comfortable performing retinal exams on infants and small children. If there is a positive head CT, frequently our child abuse pediatricians will then request a MRI of the C-spine and occasionally the entire spine to look for, again, occult ligamentous injury, even if the child has no neurologic findings. 
These tend to be entirely radiologic findings, and frequently the children are asymptomatic, but we will have a fair number of positive MR findings of ligamentous injuries that have no physiologic impact, but they do have impact in terms of proving that the child has been shaken or abused. And for those reasons, our child abuse pediatricians are becoming increasingly proactive about asking for magnetic resonance studies on children with positive head CTs. Beyond toddlerhood, the abuse workup becomes much more specific and related to whatever injury they may present with and is much more tailored to the individual child. As they are, the older the child gets, the more verbal the child is and the more we can elicit a history and again communicate a little bit better and be able to minimize uh, the workup and tailor it a little bit more specifically to each individual child. Dr. Mollick, thanks for being on the show. If you'd like to hear any past episodes from Dr. Mollick or any of our guests, you can always find our past episodes at traumatalk.podbean.com. If you have any questions about this episode or past episodes, you can always reach me at my email address, aaron dot S-U-T-T-O-N at WesleyMC.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.